And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 242 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on August 6th, 2020. And with me, my good friend, my colleague, and the guy who has been to Yosemite and read all the manuals <coughs> in the books, it always gets to his desk, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? Have you been to Yosemite? <laughs> I'm sorry. You caught me <laughs> off guard with that one. <laughs> oh, uh, crazy world we live in. Isn't it? It is indeed. It is indeed. Yes. It's so, it's, there's so many things I would like to say. Yes. You can't do that. But I, you can't do that. I can't do that. I think most people know where I fall. Actually, probably a lot of people don't know that, that I was a Republican for over 20 years. Grew up a Republican from a Republican conservative family. And, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all I have That's to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. Great movie, that Forrest Gump. Uh, yeah, right. It's a wonderful. Right. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of anything else, uh, how are you doing, sir? Yes. How was your week? I'm doing. Uh, you know, uh, it is busy. Is the operative word. We're getting prepped here for content tech. Which, as we, as you're probably listening to this uh, lovely audience on Monday, you're, we're probably in the thick of it. Yeah, but as we record this, we are prepping for what will be three days of solid, fun content, technology, geeky, geek out content stuff. Um, yeah, so it's been a busy, busy, busy week. Yeah, it seems like especially with the news and what what's going on just in regular work life that one day is like a week and a week is like right? a month doesn't it feel uh, that way it it does i you know in fact i was talking with elizabeth my wife about this uh just this week we were talking about the fact that goodness gracious it's august you know wasn't yesterday just march um and we were talking about how uh there was actually an article on this where they were talking about how because your patterns have been so disrupted by either not going to work, you know, having to take care of kids, you know, from work from home, but also stay at home and also the kids are home and everybody's home and everybody's, you know, so you're going to the grocery store at a different time, you're working at different times, you're getting up later, you're staying up later, everything's sort of in a, you know, patternless thing right now it really sort of messes with your sense of time i would i yeah it's the whole thing is crazy and i do have to throw out my sympathies for anyone that is trying any parent out there trying to decide what to do with your children i don't care what grade i've got two i've got one that's going to be a senior in high school and i've got one that is trying to be a freshman in college and I've never, like, I'm not going to get into any specifics here, Robert, but I'll tell you this. The universities out there are still operating by the rules of 2019. Right. That's right. And they need a little bit more flexibility for those people that, you know, want to do things a little bit different. Maybe you want to do remote. Maybe you want to still go to university college and want to do remote, you know, and, we're just going through a whole lot of stuff right now. And so I know I can imagine if we're going through a bunch of stuff with our two kids uh, in both situations, actually, it's just way too much to handle right now. We've got to, and you know, they're supposed to go to school here pretty soon. So we've got to figure this whole thing out. I can't imagine what everyone else is dealing with, especially those people that have daycare issues. And so my heart goes out to, to everyone dealing with this stuff because. Are you allowed to do sort of like the, um, you know, and I don't have kids, so I don't uh, I, I don't know the answer to this. So that's the, why I'm asking: um, Is there the option for college where you can sort of do like the NFL is doing, where there's like an you can opt out, like you can opt you can opt out of 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 you know going physically to the college? Well, it's funny you mentioned this. I wasn't going to say anything, but now I am because you asked me the question. Uh, there's a couple things that you can do, at least in my oldest case. The first thing is you could just defer 
and say, look it, I'm going to take this year off. Would you keep everything, you know, keep my acceptance in? I'm still into the college, but will you give me 12 months? That you can do. And most universities are okay with that. The issue is, is if you say, well, I would like to still go to your university, but I would like to do it remotely. I don't want to go onto campus. I would like to stay at home or wherever home is. And I would like to take you. I still want to go to school. That's where the problem is, because in multiple cases, the universities that have some kind of hybrid system or in-person system going, they won't allow for that, Hmm. which is unbelievable to me that they're going to say, look, we don't want to take your tens of thousands of dollars uh, because we're going to try to have an on-campus experience, even though that on-campus experience is going to be stilted, to say the least. Sure. So it's sort of, so they're saying basically some classes will be remote, but you need to be on class in your dorm room doing the remote, not the you know not uh, not at home. That's doing. exactly right. Even though they're already recording all the classes, they're already available. You can, but you have to be on campus in order to be. Which, I'm sorry, they were in the middle of a pandemic. You got to give a little bit. Now here's what's going to happen, in my opinion. They're all going to get on campus anyways, and they're going to send the kids home because something's going to happen. <laughs> right. We already see it. Right. I mean, you see it yeah. in multiple schools happening right now. Something's going to happen. We don't know, or I, mean, I don't want that to happen, but I'm just anticipating that you know, you're going to get a bunch of kids on campus that want to get together. Not a lot of social distancing going on. Somebody's already going to have it, bringing it from whatever state, city there. It's just a recipe for disaster. And, you know, my kids don't want to be part of that. And, I, and I'm fine with them making the decision not to be part of that. So what are the other options? And the unfortunate thing is, now, now that said, there are a couple universities that certain people were uh, already uh, approved to attend that are now reaching back out, which is interesting. That do offer. Oh wow! Yeah, right. So they're fighting for everything, right? Because if you're a small school, I mean, you're fighting for survival. That's what. That's what I don't get. Where there's not flexibility. If you're fighting for survival, I think you should be a little bit flexible. With hey, it's okay. You don't have to be on campus. We still want you part of our community. You can do it for however long it takes until you feel comfortable to come back on campus. Why can't that be a good response? Right. Right. I mean, that feels a little bit like what happened in the 90s with the record companies sort of, you know, really just refusing to latch onto the whole digital streaming thing, you know, because they were just completely afraid of becoming irrelevant in the in the business. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, it feels very similar, right, where colleges are going, wow, if everybody has this sort of off-campus remote experience, why are we why do we even have a physical campus to begin That's with? Right. right. I mean, yeah. you know, well, so. you're seeing, I don't know if you've seen this, but there are a number of universities that are selling their campuses. Yeah, I have, I have started to see that. This is, yeah. It's going to, yeah, who do, who, it's going to be. Yeah. Nuts. Who do, well, who to think it, you know, the, 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 <laughs> you know, universities going through a major business model disruption. Yeah. That was, but see, yeah, yeah. yeah it was only a matter of time. Before yeah, it of happened, this but is now, just an acceleration is, of that. Well, yeah. and that's and that's what we've talked about it on this podcast before. Everything is there's no new trends here. Everything is just accelerating. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. So, anyways, we're dealing with all that stuff, and you know everybody else is too. So you know what are you going to yeah. do? It's just hopefully by the next you know in two weeks when we talk again, we'll have we'll have some plans. <laughs> I just I'm just shocked. Right. I'm just shocked and frustrated yeah. that. That the people that we're talking to aren't a little bit more accommodating, but there are there are plenty of people out there that are accommodating. So that's, well, that's university's the, not known for their customer service. Let's just put it that way. Well, you you have to today. You absolutely. Yeah, I, I, you get no argument from to. me on that. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. And offline, I'll I'll I can send you the response that we got from one of the schools. You'd be like, whoa! I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> this is a Scott Stratton type thing, right? He's like, I can't believe <laughs> right. it. So, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. That's where. Well, we I, you know, speaking of people doing the 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 right thing, did you you know, d- did you see the uh, the 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 Nike ad? Oh my the, god! The, oh. Yes. I 
I mean, the edit. First of all, the editing team that put that together, that's got to win all kinds of awards. It's amazing. It's, it's. I think it's right up there with the uh, with the Apple ad with with nineteen eighty four. Yeah, uh, you might be. You could be. You could be right, especially because it's so timely. It it's it's taking a stand and and saying something without rubbing people's face in it. I think it's they, just yeah yeah. It's a very positive message overall, and God yeah. I watched it. I've watched it like five times. I've watched and it I get, ten times. I, yeah, yeah, I get. I get goosebumps every time just watching. So yeah. I, I guess our recommendation is outside of hey, go watch really it. Yeah, a, I mean we were going to make this a news item, but yeah. it's it's not really a news item. It's just like you know, here's a link. Go watch and experience it for yourself. Well, that's what you, we were talking about. What are we going to talk about on the show this week? Well, you have the Nike ad and TikTok. So there, yeah, there's a, <laughs> that's pretty much where we're starting from. Yeah, well, we have a lot of news actually. We should probably get to it. Sure. Um, and uh, uh, we'll get to the uh, uh, the top of the story because I mean there was a lot of news this last week, folks. Um, despite the <laughs> despite the wonderful interview that we sort of introduced the show with, um, and we have to open up with, of course, the biggest sort of technology marketing acquisition media news that's out there right now, which is, of course, Microsoft's pending. Uh, acquisition of the social media network TikTok. Um, you can't throw a rock at your screen and not hit a story about this from someone, but the show notes we'll link to uh, will be from The Verge, yeah. um, which basically the headline is the biggest problem with Microsoft's fractured TikTok deal is that no one has ever split up a social network along regional lines. Um, and so uh, basically the story opens up by saying, look, Microsoft now has six weeks to close one of the strangest deals in tech industry industry history. Uh, I would totally agree with that. On Sunday, the company publicly announced that it was in talks with President Trump to buy portions of TikTok from his Chinese parent company, ByteDance. Um, and for months, Trump has been uh, raising national security concerns about TikTok, even threatening to ban the app. And now he's presenting a sale to Microsoft as the last chance effort to save it. Also, total side note, he's basically saying he should get a cut of that deal, but that's a whole oh other God. thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, basically at the, at the heart of this is that I guess um, if I'm understanding the news correctly that I've been reading on this, currently Microsoft has basically said we're willing to be stewards of the data um, and, we, and then somebody else can come in and buy the social media platform. But now after um, getting, I guess tacit permission or sort of a assurances from the U.S. government, Microsoft has said, okay, yeah, we are actually interested in buying portions of the company, which would include uh, what they are basically calling a North American holdings, which would be uh, uh, U.S., Canada, uh, and basically, I guess, Australia, Australia and New, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, which is yeah. an odd North America. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's definitely not North America. Um, Who's setting this up? They called it North America. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I, you know... I, I, I'm guessing here that the, the 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 what Microsoft is doing is carving out everything that's not Asia and basically saying here's where most of the users are and we'll take that. Um, I, I'm I'm it, it's just a very weird deal. Do you have a take on this? Hmm. Well, first of all, the timetable is ridiculous. Something's going yeah. to be missed, and that's the. I mean, I've been involved in a lot of different media deals that have taken, that have been 1% of the size that have taken a year. So you're trying to do a deal, a potentially $20 billion or more deal, and you're trying to put this into a couple weeks time period. Somebody's going to make a mistake. I don't like that. I don't look the, like the coercion that's that's part of it. Um, I've, we've never heard... Um, the leader of any country say, I am helping set this up and I want a cut of it. So that's new. <laughs> it's a new thing that's happening. I'm not really sure what to say about that. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't. The, so a couple the other thing that strikes me is, oh, all of a sudden, Microsoft, who the U.S. government had a problem with for decades, is now on the good side. So we're going to give that to to Microsoft. So that's odd. And then 
let's just realistically look at this. We know there's a tit for tat going on. There's a okay, uh, the the U.S. wants this office cl- Chinese office closed, and China says that we want this one. So there's this whole thing with China and the U.S. right now. It's a lot of tensions. A lot of people are calling it a new Cold War, whatever the case is. But this is being separated and sectioned out for a ridiculous reason other than the fact that TikTok is the hottest brand going on right now in the social media space, maybe the technology space outside of Tesla. Everybody's talking about TikTok. But if you look at the purchases that Chinese companies have made in the United States over the past five or 10 years, there's all types of businesses related to data that Chinese companies have purchased of U.S. companies. And you can just go, and I can put it in the show notes, but you can go to any site. It'll talk, just say China purchased U.S. companies, and it will go through a whole listing of GE companies and safety companies and data companies that China-owned companies have bought. But now, but now we're saying, okay, TikTok is the tipping point. Whatever you feel about that, I just think the whole thing is weird. Back to your initial question, can they pair it off? I think they can. The article says you know, TikTok won't be as valuable as a U.S. or North America or U.S., Australia, New Zealand TikTok. Of course it won't. It won't have the scale of the whole thing. Will it be profitable and will it be successful? Yes. What I, outside of all that other stuff that I don't like, I don't, I, this is going to sound weird. I think it's I, I think it's unfortunate for ByteDance, which is the Chinese company. Now, whatever intentions you feel, whatever thing that you want to say about, oh well, ByteDance is a Chinese company and they shouldn't have access to all this data, they're getting the shaft on this one. They say if you want to operate, you're going to have to have a fire sale on that property. I just don't like it. It doesn't seem like a governmental, uh, any kind of government should be part of doing that in such a short order. We've had, you know, governments do uh, investigations for years and years and years and things come out and those things make sense to me, but not where it's, I don't like it. We don't like it. Do something about it or you're done. It's it's more like a mafia technique and it just doesn't sit right with me. (laughs) And I know the mafia folks. Yeah. Polizzi. Come on. (laughs) We know this. Yes. I well, how, I, I don't you, know. What do you, so take something of that. What do you think? I, I, so, uh, you know, I, we're, we're thinking along the same lines. I have a theory, by the way, which I'll, I'll, I'll give Ooh, you about this. I love this. theories. Um, so yes, a hundred percent agree that our protestations that there are, that China is somehow buying up, you know, us consumer data, you know, we're a little late for that. We're a little late for screaming that out loud. You know, there there have been a lot more troubling acquisitions and or investments into U.S. companies that, you know, other than sharing, you know, us lip syncing Britney Spears. Right. So um, the interesting thing to me is the, when we, when we look at this deal and I, I, I sort of agree with you. I think it was, you know, Basically, ByteDance could have done this a lot better. They there there was there there was a lot better ways to 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 do this, and there were some really troubling things about the way that they manage what they do. Um, that you know that caused not just the government, but you know companies like Amazon and and others to say, yeah, you yeah. should delete TikTok off your off your phone. Yes. I um, see. So yeah. so that you know they marketing positioning or true weirdness. Aside, ByteDance could have done a much better job in the way that they did that. Um, that having said that, here's what I think is going to happen. This is my bet. Okay. My bet is Microsoft is so Microsoft has been just crushing it in terms of the way they've been doing deals, the way they've been scaling it. That CEO is just absolutely so talented um, in the way that he's been guiding Microsoft over the last few years. I have to believe that they have that they're playing chess here. And so what I think is going on is they're actually going to take this, you know, as the article calls it MS TikTok, which is basically the US, Australia, New Zealand, Canada and clamp it all in basically and then sell that 
let's call it to, I don't know, Facebook. Facebook. Um, yeah. Um, which is a strategic partner of theirs. And then Facebook goes, yay, and kills it. Um, or simply keeps the brand and puts, you know, puts whatever it wants underneath it, right? You know, puts, you know, technology that it controls underneath it and basically says, yeah, you want your TikTok? It's now integrated right in with Instagram and it's just a part of Instagram, right? And so you got your TikTok, which is just a channel on Instagram or something like that, right? Where it's basically, sure, take the code base because the code base has to be separate. The data has to be separate. Integrate it right in with your infrastructure and away you go. That makes Facebook look better because they're actually buying it from an American company so that they don't get the sort of weirdness that they have right now with all their antitrust issues and all of their privacy challenges. Um, Microsoft makes a F ton of money from all of this. Yeah. Um, and basically all it does is facilitate, you know, it's a huge ser professional services deal is what it is. They just take all that, clamp it all down, move it to their servers, then move it to Facebook servers and away we go. And everybody, it's a win, 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 except for, like you say, then ByteDance TikTok, which is now basically prevented from operating in, you know, in US, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that's that you know it, it does whatever it does that's that's my grand conspiracy theory first of all i think actually you're right i believe that that will will happen and i think there's a whole lot wrong with that because the one <laughs> yeah right. well and the one reason why this con i don't believe that any of this conversation would be happening right now if facebook wouldn't have started it with their whole data shenanigans that they've done right from 2015 right. probably earlier on but it happened. Facebook's gotten bigger and more profitable and more powerful since that time. And it's American-owned, so you know they're giving them problems, but they're not giving them a lot of problems. But now you've got a Chinese-based company that are doing the same thing, and they're looking at it and saying, oh, my gosh, TikTok could be the next Facebook, and look what Facebook's doing. But they're American, so whatever. But we've got to deal with this. So Facebook is the reason why TikTok is in all this trouble and microsoft's going to have this opportunity and they're going to end up getting tiktok just like they got instagram and took instagram out as a competitive move in and they've said as much in these hearings yes yeah, absolutely so i go, fine i you know what are you gonna say you throw up your hands they fine <laughs> but but this whole deal is going to make the the big the, the big four that are on that had all those hearings even bigger, right? And well, more powerful. And that's the that's the real lesson here for for all of it, right? Which is this is not about TikTok. That you know TikTok is you know a a a small player in the universe of social media apps that come and go in the world of the internet. You know, I mean, it it may be it, look it 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 may end up being a big thing, or it may end up being you know. Ugh, the the friendster or you know of of whatever right you know friendster's still big in brazil as i understand it um and so what whatever happens to tiktok isn't the real you know isn't the real issue here isn't the real you know thing to pay attention to the thing to pay attention to is how borderless the technology of social media and data exchange and the way that we interact with the the world wide web and the internet is changing the way that um, the governments you know have access to information about yeah. people and that's that's just not that's unstoppable right that's just that that is a that is a you know as Clayton Christensen once said you know you may hate gravity but gravity does not care and this is this is just gravity happening and this is there will be another and another and another and another and you can and like we said at the very top of this segment you can't stop it it's already happened it's already there and so it's you know now the question is what do we do about it yeah i think that we should leave this here the one thing that i'll say <laughs> the only thing that i'll say is that in the um, hearings, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, but the amount of money, the amount of cash on hand that Microsoft and Alph Alphabet and Apple and Facebook have is so ridiculous at this point. Oh, it's Microsoft, scary, yeah. I believe Microsoft has 200 billion or more 
of cash on hand. If they did That's a right. huge deal, a $20 billion deal is a huge deal for a nascent social media company. And it's not even going to be a, a generous percentage of their cash on hand. These companies are so powerful. Yeah. Um, They're pow- more powerful than governments in some cases. Well, yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a as as we're uh, recording this, Jeff Bezos came out and sold three billion dollars in Amazon stock to you know pay for I don't know his new kitchen, and right. that's nothing for him. It's nothing. It's like what no. percent? Yeah, it's, not even. Yeah, yeah, right. It's so wealth inequality, big issue. Uh, we don't have a podcast on that, but we could. Yeah. <laughs> So anyways, we, let's just we do there. not. Let's move yeah. to our second segment of the show here yeah. before we get in too much trouble here and get into politics, um, which we're this is ours. The segment where Joe and I have pulled a few articles from this week that uh, make us feel really good or really bad. And uh, it's, again, a big news week. And so our first one uh, that we want to talk about is yet another acquisition. Uh, this one a little smaller, certainly. Um, and it comes to us courtesy of Industry Dive, uh, which is really, I guess, their press release, as it is. It's a blog post, but it's a it's a press release basically announcing that they have acquired uh, the NewsCred uh, content marketing studio. The article opens up by saying industry dive, a leader in business journalism and news cred, a global leader in enterprise content marketing technology today announced that industry dive will acquire news creds, content marketing studio and services business, including assets, people and clients. Uh, news cred will retain its software products. The acquisition augments industry dives in-depth market expertise, first-party audience insights, and unparalleled distribution through its portfolio of 22 news publications with NewsCred's content creation capabilities. Um, yes, they, they, they. as I mentioned, that is a press release, not really a news article. <laughs> so um, they talk about themselves in fairly glowing terms. Yep. Um, what say you about this acquisition? I definitely have a take on this and have actually briefly chatted uh, with our mutual friend Shafkat Islam, the CEO there, um, but what did what is your take yeah, on? Yeah, I, I mean, you're closer to it than I mean. We we've both been friends with with Shafkat at NewsCred for a long time. Uh, this, I guess, the one thing that I would say is NewsCred sells their studio off is that it's really really difficult to do cons- content marketing, consulting, training, and creation. <laughs> really, uh, I think, think you would. It, it, I do think, you think it's tough. <laughs> yeah, I think Mr. Robert Rose would know that firsthand. And it's yeah. very hard, specifically if you're trying to do that on the side with create a a premier software product. Which so I like this move from NewsCred to say, look, we're going to focus on our software. Let's. So I don't know what the the deal looks like uh, from a you know monetary standpoint or partnership, but getting it over to you know Industry Dive makes makes perfect sense if they want to grow that side of the business, which it looks like they do. I would. I get, but I would also say that when you tie a content marketing studio to a journalism group, that's also very challenging. As we'll talk about in just a moment. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I like the deal from NewsCred's part. I'm not sure about Industry Dive because I've seen so many, and you have as well, so many of these deals go dead uh, because the journalism content marketing folks just can't work well with it and you absolutely sacrifice the content marketing revenue for the journalism revenue every time yes twice on Sunday absolutely so that's that's my concern I don't know what you think about it but well I have a lot of thoughts on it and but for the sake of time I will I will I'll summarize them um you know look I think this is a lot better for news cred than it is industry dive um Although financial terms were certainly not disclosed, I have to imagine that not a lot of money changed hands here. Um, And so here's what I think. I think having been a part of both the growth of consulting firms as well as the growth of software companies, there is nothing more uncomfortable than sitting in a Friday afternoon meeting with your investors, getting yelled at about the balance of your revenue on services versus product. And it's just a, a hard conversation. 
And so I think this is really a great way for NewsCred to clean up its balance sheet. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they're good at it. They, you know, the, that team is really smart and they were, you know, they were out there consulting with companies and, and, and providing good services and providing content creation services and, and, and all the things. It's a very crack, crackerjack team. Um, however, as a software company, as a startup software company that's expected to have certain margins, uh, as a software as a service and, and, you know, and certain growth projections and all of that, services revenue just complicates that a lot. And so to, you know, acquisitors, to investors, to internal, you know, sort of bookkeeping, it's just, it's, it's a hard balance to keep. It's a really hard balance to keep. So from them cleaning up and simplifying their offering and becoming truly an enterprise software company, you have to look at it like a positive. Um, because they basically just got, you know, they, they just got a lot cleaner as a software company than as a, a, you know, and in terms of, you know, their, their go to market strategy. So everything from focus to cleaning up the balance sheet to me is, is a good move for them to do this. Um, and then from the industry dive side, yeah, we'll see if they can make it yeah, happen. We'll see. Right? I mean, That's, they're, I yeah, they're the getting best. a lot of. Yeah, they're getting a lot of really smart people, and um, we'll see if they can actually do something with it. Um, you know, I, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty close to doing this kind of work myself, so I know what it takes. And you know, it, it working within the confines of a, uh, you know, a number. And look, the marketing dive publications are quite good. I mean, we've said on this show many times, you know, sure. when we've uh, had sh- uh, articles from Marketing Dive. You know, they're, they're, they're again, I'm not a crackerjack team that's doing good stuff here. This is not going to be an easy integration. And no, I, I, hope I, they, I hope they do it, you know, measure twice and cut once, and I think they'll be all right. I think it flows. I think you should start right with the next article because I think it flows in perfectly with the challenge. <laughs> right, branded well, content it, studio. Exactly. So our next story, uh, which is uh, exactly that, comes to us courtesy from Digiday. And basically, the headline is uh, that innovation budget has gone, says uh, publishers. Um, Publishers now adapt to the thwarted branded content studio growth. The article opens up by saying, back at the beginning of the year, specialist publisher Dennis Publishing, who we've talked about myriad times on this show, uh, expected to grow its branded content studio by 30% in 2020, powered by reaching different clients in new business areas beyond its core client base, which include car manufacturers, cycling specialists, and finance brands. Like most publishers, the pandemic has put the kibosh on those growth ambitions. Now with certainty as the only constant, clients want to build on their most trusted relationships where they've previously seen results. That's particularly true in branded content, where effective deliverables and returns have taken longer to define. Every pound and penny is being scrutinized. I should probably do that in an English accent. (laughs) Every pound and penny is being scrutinized, said Jonathan Kitchen, chief revenue officer at Dennis Publishing. Um, Anyway, home to titles like Auto Express and Car Buyer. And the article then goes on to talk about basically how it's challenging right now for publishers who are operating content studios uh, that are creating custom content and branded content for clients um, to grow those um, those uh, those pieces. Um, so, what say you, uh, Mr. Polizzi, about uh, about this article and about this trend? Well, it, it goes back to the last article. It it's not for whatever you think about um, content marketing uh, studios, branded content studios, native advertising. It's not easy to sell and execute. Um, we've seen a lot of growth in it the past few years, but okay, in a, in a pandemic, uh, in an environment that's had advertising hit, a lot of this stuff gets cut. And of course, we're seeing it happen to to Dennis. It's it's not easy to do this, and you just mentioned with your meeting. You know, when you're in a if you're a software company, they're always going to look at your products versus your services revenue. If you're in a yep. media company, they're always going to look at the top line. What's really going anything regarding content services always is secondary. I've worked for five different CEOs and only one told me to go out and get that content and services revenue. The other ones were like, well, I can, how do you, how do you create your own publications here? How can we create our own subscriber database? How can we do our own? They're all about own media. And by the way, I don't blame them at all. 
Uh, you have a little bit more control when you do that. But I, I don't know what you think about this as a trend, Robert, but I think you're going to see the branded content slash native advertising line, maybe especially with a lot of the, you know, data issues, privacy issues going on. I think you're, you're going to see it take a hit for the next couple of years. I don't think it's going to immediately bounce back like we've seen some other lines um, because uh, because I think you're going to have a lot of media companies that are going to say, look, we're going to focus on our membership, our subscription, and what are we going to do about events revenue and those types of things, and they're not going to fill it with services. Uh, maybe. I think the answer to that is maybe. I think um, what I have anecdotally, I don't have uh, any empirical data to be able to, uh, to, to, to show this, but anecdotally what I would say is, is that there is a real pivot right now to content uh, in marketing, um, we've talked about it on this show before, you know, over the last six months as the pandemic has really affected the way that marketing operates. Um, but what I'm seeing is, is the renewed interest at the CMO and C level to make this an in-house, um, capability, not outsource it. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. and so what we're seeing is content is becoming incredibly important but it is how do we actually make this an internal muscle, not not necessarily outsourced campaign. So what I think personally, and I again, I don't, I haven't done the deep dive into the numbers, nor I don't think I really could do the deep dive into the numbers of some of these custom publishing studios. What I would guess the decrease that you're seeing are not the asks RFPs or requests for these studios to produce magazines and or owned completely owned media platforms for companies. Uh, and in fact, the last three clients that I worked with are doing exactly that, right? They're trying to create owned media experiences that have that are that are managed and maintained by an in-house they'll call it content studio but the execution of which may come from a publisher or a consulting firm or an ad agency or something like that yeah what i think you're seeing here is a real decrease in campaign native advertising branded pieces of content that feed campaign oriented because we've just seen a real decrease in the amount of paid media and decrease in content creation that's going out to external right publishers. Um, so in other words, I can go out and I can get, you know, the content studio to produce a cool piece, documentary style, journalism style, infographic plus article plus, you know, an interview with a couple of people and run that on their publications, run that on, you know, do a media flight, buy on it and all of that. That's where I, I bet you're seeing that it's a bet. I, and again, I, I totally don't have data to support this, but that would be my guess as to where you're seeing the 10 to 20 to 30% decrease, not in the interest of brands in developing cool customer experiences that offer yeah, value. I would totally, I, I'm in totally agreement with you. I think it's your short term, your, your three to four to five month campaigns that they're doing mostly native driven. Uh, though, yeah, those are the ones that are going to struggle. But I think you're, That's yeah, right. we've, we've seen it both hands. I mean, we've talked, both talked to companies that are saying, look, we, we know that we have to start embedding this into our marketing department and building, you know, our job is to build amazing experiences. And yeah. So how are you yeah. going to do that? It's very tough to do that with outsourcing because you're right. That's you, right. You don't, you don't learn the muscle. You're borrowing the muscle. You're, somebody's, somebody's moving the furniture for you instead of you building the muscle to move it. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So that that and we've started to see more and more of the you know of the okay let's you know as you know the other trend that I see right now is that the pandemic in twenty twenty you know <laughs> the dumpster fire that the that this the year is fire, yeah. um, is reorgs reorgs you know a lot of companies are reorging their marketing and content groups right now because they can because they need to work from home is sort of, you know, you know, basically forced a lot of companies to rethink how they're organized in in content and marketing to be able to execute at a much faster pace. And um, and so I think you're starting to see a lot of those things start to settle in now as we get to the end of the summer here. And I think what you'll start to see as we get into the fall are 
okay, now we really have to execute in this new model, right? We're going to have to. And so what you may start to see is, uh, you know, you and I have talked about the the uptick in uh, in acquisitions. Um, we we may start to see a few more owned media properties get um, you know launched by brands, um, and we may also start to see the decrease in campaign focused branded content on external publishers. Because quite frankly, they'll you know why 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 am I doing that when I can do it on my own property, right? Yeah, and they seem like they're just buying eyeballs on uh, Facebook these days. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Good All take, right. well, sir. Yeah. You you well, definitely have your state of the pulse or whatever you want to say. You're all over it, man. I, I, as I take a sip of my giant snifter of bourbon, it's like, I live it, kid. I live it. I, you know, uh, that's, I've told you the story before about my, the, when I was, uh, when I was a piano player and playing in a cabaret and the, the, my favorite bit about this was, you know, I thought myself so cool, you know, I'm in show business and I'm, I'm in entertainment business and I'm, I'm, I'm an artist and I'm walking around <clears throat> and I'm in the, I'm playing this show in Las Vegas and, um, I thought it was so cool and I'm walking backstage and there's a guy sitting there, you know, early sixties, ragged hair, all tousled up, smoking a cigarette. He's in a bear costume, giant bear costume, um, with the big head of the bear next to him. So have that in your head. And I walk up and I go, you know, are you? And he says, yeah, I'm a player in one of these shows, kid. Welcome to showbiz. <laughs> that was, and that's, that's my image of show business. Maybe a, someday a, you can be the bear. Exactly. You could be me. <laughs> that's, that's where I am and, now. For and all you went you. screaming out and said, yeah, I can't take exactly. it anymore. I don't want to be the bear, mommy. That's right. And so that's where I am as a content marketing consultant these days. So kids, if you want to be a content marketing consultant, just picture me right now in a bear costume with tousled hair, smoking a cigarette and going, welcome to content marketing, kid. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to update you on a story here that we talked about almost a year ago to the day. Um, and it's a, it was a success story where we talked about this company Freight Waves, um, and we talked about their launch of a content marketing program um, and how they were starting to really take you know a different approach to the way that they were putting their products and services out there. And this is a fun success story because this comes from the SIIA, uh, which is the Association for Software. Um, and basically the headline here is Meet the New Guard, How Freight Waves is Driving 250% Growth in both its media and data businesses. Um, The article opens up by saying, for much of the media and information industry, 2020 has eclipsed the 2008 recession as the new standard for hard times. But that's certainly not the case for all, particularly those B2B information companies in the right markets with the right product mix. Enter Freight Waves which serves the $9.6 trillion business of freight logistics, including trucking, shipping, railway, warehousing, and even digital on-demand and emerging mobility subjects uh, such as Instacart. With a media business and a SaaS-based subscription data product that's earned the nickname the Bloomberg of freight. Through the first half of 2020, FreightWaves drove 250% growth in both its media and data businesses, with media growing even faster than data with similar margins. More on that in a bit, generating about $15 million a year in gross revenue and on track to do a run rate of more than $20 million by the end of the year. Basically, the article then goes on to sort of tell the story of FreightWaves, again, that we talked about a year ago as being something to watch. Um, and here we are a year later and they're just crushing it. Um, basically launched in 2016 freight waves includes, uh, this digital media uh, and content that they've produced called FreightWaves.com, AmericanShipper.com, FreightWaves TV, FreightWaves Radio, which appears now on Sirius XM satellite and all of that. Just, um, you know, just an incredible story of, well, really, I mean, Joe, it's a content ink story more than anything else. I mean, it's that's what it really is. I, I love this example. I loved it when we talked about it. She's hard to believe over a year ago. Uh, and I believe that any company, if they set it up the way that, uh, you know, the, through what we've talked about with, with content ink, you can do this and you should do it. And there's no reason why you can't because even if you don't drive the revenue like 
freight waves is driving, you still build an audience and you can still drive your entire business from it. Um, freight waves is just great because they're driving their business growth at the same time. They're offsetting, not even offsetting costs. They're, they're driving real profit through the media side. So I just think it's fantastic. I wish more companies would do this, but yeah, we have to keep, uh, Keep uh, heading out there and talking about it. And that's seeing. right. But great. Congratulations to them. This is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and in a similar story, so that uh, we can sort of round out our articles here, uh, we'll also link to this last story that we'll cover here quickly, which, of course, uh, is BuzzFeed starts selling products directly to consumers. Um, this comes from the Wall Street Journal that we'll link to, and it says BuzzFeed has long recommended products to its audience, earning a cut of the revenue when readers click the links into articles from the sites that actually sell the goods. The digital publisher has now introduced a standalone website called BuzzFeed Shopping that lets visitors complete purchases without going anywhere else. And we've talked about this, gosh, I don't know how many times we've talked about this BuzzFeed on our, on our, on our show and in our classes and consulting um, and they've been doing this for a bit, but they're basically, they're building a little ecosystem there, a closed off ecosystem there that, you know, they're doing, doing everything, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the, the affiliate model, so, sort of like what uh, New York Times purchased Wirecutter. It's the same thing. This has been going right. on for a long time. I, I think this is sort of old news because when you say BuzzFeed starts selling products directly to consumers, they've been doing this for a while. Right. This is not new. They've they, been doing the the affiliate yeah. site here. That has been reported here by the Wall Street Journal on July 30th is new, but everything else, you know, them selling household appliances, uh, spices, ice creams from their tasty brand, those things, I mean, they, they sell, I think, I don't, this is pre-pandemic, but they were going to sell $500 um, million in revenue from their products. So in, in I think, two, 2020. So I don't know what that, what happened to that, but... You know, always a big hit at Cole's department store, at least from talking to the marketing person there, were, were BuzzFeed's household appliances, and who would have thought that? My big yep. issue with this is the end of this article, which is interesting. So the Vox Media LLC media company, considering letting visitors buy di- items directly from its shopping site, the, the Strategist, without having to click away, according to Camila Cho, Senior Vice President of E-Commerce at the company. Uh, and Cho says... It's hard to say now whether consumers want or prefer to shop from publishers. My problem with that is, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> right. <laughs> when, have, when have they, first of all, per the examples we just talked about, second of all, of course they're going to shop on publishers because that's, first of all, it's advertising. They click on things. <laughs> right. They look at ads. They're shopping from media sites. Second of uh, all, who's a publisher today? Uh, is Freight Waves a publisher? Is Vox a publisher? I want. Is Amazon a publisher? The answer to all those is yes. So, are we shopping at Amazon? A publisher? We just don't think about it that way. It's our perception. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, come on. Yeah, my favorite part of that is the last sentence where where it says it's a quote. It says, "But there are some market signals that we're seeing that suggest consumers are open to shopping from various sources, including multiple retailers and directly from social platforms." If by market signals you mean people shouting, uh, billions of dollars being spent, um, yeah, there are some market signals out there. Yeah, yeah, knock, knock, knock. It's nineteen. Yeah, exactly. It's nineteen ninety nine, and it wants its quote back. Right. That's exactly what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. Then how did um, they how did the Wall Street Journal even print that quote without laughing? It's like, I know. Oh, hardy har har. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. No, nothing against nothing against the people that are doing this. It's just we have to understand that this is not a new thing. It's yeah. been around for a long, long it, time. Okay. <laughs> good for good for Buzz. Yeah. Speaking of being around for a long, long time, um it is the 10th year for content marketing world. We have a sponsor we should talk about. Oh my God. It's hard to believe. Remember? Remember in yeah. 2011? I know. It was our first little, I came out yeah. in that orange NASA jumpsuit. Yeah. And, uh, and thought that, and hoped there were more than five people out there and there were 600 and now there's thousands from all over the country going to content marketing world. Of course, we all know that because things are the way they are right now, it's going to be a virtual event. 
but it's going to be the same awesomeness, October 13th, the 16th, the 10th anniversary. Go to contentmarketingworld.com and find out. And if you would like a discount, you have to use our special code, which is PNR100. You get $100 off. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that Content Marketing World is doing all kinds of deals for group rates and things like that. So if you want to take your group to the greatest content marketing event that's ever existed, uh, you need to go and check out at contentmarketingworld.com for the awesomeness. And um, it's amazing that it's been 10 years, right, Robert? I mean, we've been, it is we've, I feel old. I feel, yeah. feel old. We were yeah. so young then. But we were old then too, so I don't know exactly what happened, right? Exactly. There we are. It is, yeah. It's a sliding scale. It's showbiz, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a bear oh, with my head cut off God, and smoking oh, a cigarette. Exactly. Welcome to showbiz. Um, it is now time, ladies and gentlemen, for your favorite part, empirically proven favorite part of our show, which of course is our rants and rave section, which is where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we're in Yosemite or something that makes us feel like it is what it is. Um, and let's see, uh, I'll go first. Why don't okay. I go first go here? First. Cause I have a, I have a quick Quibi update. Oh, we need of the course. Quibi update. We is got it the still Quibi around? Update. Is it still here? It is. Um, it is. Um, and then I have a quick commentary as well. Um, so I'll do this very, uh, very quickly here. So the Quibi update is comes to us courtesy of Gizmodo, uh, which, of course, is the wonderful gadget and sort of uh, wonderful blog that I, I really like. Uh, the headline is Quibi. Well, what if we just gave it to you for free? <laughs> so That's basically, such a great line. Oh, it's God. such a great, yeah. uh, wonderful headline. The article opens up by saying, Quibi, the beleaguered mobile-first streaming service, teeming with talent but struggling to find a solid subscriber footing, has introduced a free ad-supported tier to its Australian market, uh, something the company arguably should have been doing all along. Quibi officially launched in Australia and New Zealand on August 5th. Previously, Quibi users in the region could only access the ad-free US versions of the app. Uh, here in the U.S., both of Quibi's subscription options are paid, so you have a $5 per month for ad-supported content and $8 a month to go ad-free. In Australia, however, the company is now testing, for sure this is a test, to see how it's going to go, um, a free ad-supported version of the app. Uh, according to an email obtained by The Verge, Quibi is also having the paid subscription cost for existing customers to $7 uh, Australian dollars, which is like uh, $270, I think, American. <laughs> um <laughs> Where the service had previously charged $13 or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, here we go. There's your Quibi update. Basically, it, it's, it's, it's continuing to get cheaper and it's cheaper, on, folks. It's on so, life support, right? This is, yeah. yeah we'll we'll see. See. Somebody will we'll buy them. what happens I think, I think somebody, somebody will buy them. I think one of the other streaming services will just probably say, Peacock or something like that. I'll just say, yeah, eh, we'll spend some couch cushion money on. Buy a library, yeah. Buy a library of content, basically. Yeah. Hashtag the quibs. All right, the quibs. Um, quick commentary here. I don't know if this is a rant or a rave, but um, do you know uh, Tom Goodwin? Only from you, actually. So I want to hear yeah, about okay. what's going so, on here. Tom Goodwin uh, is the headline that we'll link to in the show notes is that Tom Goodwin has been ousted at Publicis. Uh, he was the head of Futures and Insight, weird kind of elevated title there. Uh, basically, he had spent a lot of his time at Zenith Media as sort of their head VP of innovation, you know, sort of evangelist, futurist kind of guy. Basically, a lot of his commentary back in the day was, you know, here's the future of this, the future of that. Um, you you will recognize his name. He was, the, do you remember the quote that um, went around viral for a, for a couple of months that basically, you know, the largest hotel uh, in company in the world has no real estate, the oh, largest yeah, car company him. in the world. That's him. That's, oh, okay. That was his wow. quote. Yeah. Good quote. So... He has been, um, this is a cautionary tale, right? So basically for the last, really since March, uh, Tom has been on a bit of an obsession with COVID and, and sort of the alternative view. Um, 
you know, and basically talking about how no one is talking about the the other side of things. And, you know, he like he tweets, you know, the obsession with COVID deaths all over all other deaths. Well, basically, he he wasn't was he a hoax guy or not a hoax guy, but he was basically putting too much on it. We're putting way too much emphasis on this. Yeah. So emphasis on the wrong syllable, basically, is what he was saying in a in a very highfalutin way Um, and basically got fired. Uh, he, you know, he, they, the publicist group said, yeah, enough is enough. And I, you know, to me, when I look at this and, you know, there's a lot of noise in the marketplace right now about influencers, about having internal sort of quote unquote celebrities and a topic we haven't talked about, it was, you know, very hot sort of in 2015, 2016 was the, you know, what if your influencers start to do stupid things? Um, and, you know, and, and there was lots of, you know, noise about that. And it really died down over the last few years. Um, and this is a perfect example of, you know, I mean, you can argue what he was talking about was stupid or not, but the point is, is that it ran afoul of, of, you know, his employer and he suffered, you know, it's one of those things, you know, play silly games, win silly prizes. He, he basically won the prize of being, you know, thrown out on his, uh, arse as the English might say. So I, you know, I guess the my my commentary here is that when you're when you're looking at these influencer programs, you know this is a this is a a a, 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 a case in point where your celebrity, your influencer, your personality that you have can do things that, uh, quite frankly, clash with your point of view. And as you're managing your brand, you just have to be entirely careful about setting the rules and setting sort of careful, um, I guess, guidelines uh, about what these influencers are going to talk about. And this is a perfect example where it just got out of hand, right? I mean, where it became his entire feed um, because I follow him and I've watched him and I've actually met him uh, online a few times and chatted with him. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, where those things, um, really sort of clash and it's just a, it's a hell of a a a cautionary tale because who knows where he's going to go now. Um, you know, he's definitely as the, as, as they say here in Hollywood damaged goods. So we'll see what happens to him now. And it'll be interesting to see. Hey, and it's not just for professionals, right? I mean, we talk to our kids all the time. So it's like, Hey, this stuff is permanent. I don't care if you can delete it. I don't care if you're on a private browser. This stuff has got a record somewhere. So everybody's watching you. That's right. So don't think you're safe. And if you're not sure, just don't do it. So it's, you know, so Tom, somebody needed to have a conversation with Tom. About it. I don't know from Adam, but I yeah. guess the well, question is, is it worth it? it? Is it is it, it worth it, it when I'm under the assumption that the company chatted with him and said, here's our here's our take on it. You know, we're a business. We're going to be professional about this. We're going to deal with it the best we can. And yeah, I don't know. Well, it, and it's a, and it brings up an interesting discussion, which is, you know, you know, and, and again, we, you know, but I think it was, you know, 10 years ago, we talked about this, you know, where, you know, people used to have in their Twitter bios, you know, opinions, not those of my employer and all that kind of stuff. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can put that yeah, all day long matter. if you want. Yeah. It doesn't I remember, matter. I remember IBM, all the IBMers had that on their profile. Right. Now it's like, you know, you can put that on or not. You're representing you the company. You Exactly. There. I mean, it doesn't matter because as we've seen before in, you know, I mean, we could have a whole, we could have a whole show on cancel culture for sure. But basically, you know, in, in today's environment, it doesn't matter what you say that, you know, these, these opinions are all mine or whatever, you know, you get, you get called out for, you know, the kinds of things that you're doing. It, it kind of doesn't matter if you, your, your protest is, well, that my employer doesn't care or my employer, my employment doesn't agree. I, these are my opinions only. doesn't matter. You're getting fired. Yep. You know? And, and so that's the, that's, you know, there's sort of a, it's, it's like skip to the end, right? It's like, we, you know, we could play this game all day long, but at the end, yeah, you're still looking for a job. Yeah. And, and so. the thing is, and when business is hurting, they don't even need a reason. I that's mean, right. That's if right. You're, yeah. If you're making a lot of money today, I mean, the next, if, if you believe that there's a recession going on, the next level of 
the job eliminations will be the you know the white collar middle manager roles. So right. you know, just you know, keep your head clean. All right, that's right. Yeah. So, aight. Uh, are you done? Is that, is that I'm all done. you have? <laughs> I'm done. I'm are you done? done? All right, I got two quick things. I'm spent. I'm spent. Two quick things. My wife sent this to me. I absolutely love it. I'll put it in the show notes. This is from uh, pointer.org. Meet the 19th, a new gender and politics news organization by women and for women. I just love the idea about this because if you read the article, they'll say, you know, you know, I'll just read the the front of this because it's important. Four years ago, Emily Ramshaw was on maternity leave from her job as editor-in-chief of the Texas Tribune. Hillary Clinton was running for president. Two questions follow Clinton. Is she electable? Is she like likable? Ramshaw says this is so unfair. Is narrowly ta- tailored to women candidates. And that was the moment it first occurred to me that it would be incredible to have a storytelling platform that was by women and for women. I think this is so needed. Um, We need more of that because Lord knows that 99.9% of the media outlets are run by men out there. So great. I want to see it. I like a different perspective on it. Um, The 19th is the whole thing is comes from the 19th amendment that they still say we're working toward. I like that. That's, that's neat. Yeah. Basically, it did not extend the right to vote to every woman. There are still women who still struggle to get access to the polls in this country. That's just one thing. The editorial mission and vision is to elevate the voices of underserved, underrepresented women. It's inclusive. It's gender inclusive. So there you go. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, I think I it's love so that. brilliant. I, I want to see more of this stuff happening. And as you see, I don't know if you've been in the media, there's a lot of... There's a lot of journalists, a lot of writers, a lot of editors that have been leaving their jobs in traditional media, and they're starting to do stuff like this. It's a very exciting time in media, and this is just one example of that. Um, so that that's one thing. And then I had to have a commentary just briefly. <laughs> I, I know what's coming here. It, well, I don't know. This it's, is it's, a good one. It's, it's, I'm just saying, it's just not. I don't. I don't even know if you know what I'm going to talk about specifically. But you know, I've been in publishing over 20 years. I started my career in the media business. Uh, specifically business-to-business markets, and there were two magazines I read religiously. One was Folio Magazine, and the other one was Publishing Executive. Uh, Over the years, I've written for both. I've been in both. It's been great. And as of today, you know, Folio is being killed, folded into another brand, and Publishing Executive has officially been canceled. Talk about cancel culture. And, uh, you know, they struggled to reinvent themselves, weren't able to when when, uh, COVID-19 came around, the events that they were morphing into events revenue got crushed. And again, I'm just throwing it out there. You're going to see this happen over the next nine to 12 months. This is not just a one-time thing in one market. This is going to happen in many, many, many markets. You'll never see so many opportunities to buy media assets than you'll you'll have in the next year. And if you, wherever you work with a small company, large company, whatever, huge opportunity here. Just like I say, I think I said it on the last episode, Robert, if you want to buy a house and you really want to buy a house and it's on your block or whatever, or in your favorite street, you don't wait until the for sale sign is out front. You go approach that person beforehand. Now is the time to approach the people that you want their wonderful media assets because a lot of these companies aren't going to have the choice. They're going to have to kill them. Yep. Absolutely. Which is sad, but it's true. But it doesn't. No, you know that I, I, there's there. I, Folio will always have a special place in my heart. I mean, I, you know, look, I was a fan when I was, you know, when I was a CMO of a software company. I used to read Folio just because of you know my, you know, I learned so much about the media business um, in that, you know, from that magazine and that event. Um, and it was, yeah, it was. It's it, it's sad to that it's going to go, and hopefully, you know, maybe it won't. Maybe, maybe it maybe, won't. Maybe, maybe somebody yeah. can bring it back, and yeah. somebody with a with a different perspective. And I get why they had to fold. It's a it, there's there's publishing companies making these decisions all over the all over the world right now. But that also means there's a great opportunity for people that want to keep them going. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. To end on an up note, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's been a it's been a roller coaster of a show. I think. Um, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, it's a bit you a know roller coaster we're here that for, you can't folks. go on. Roller coaster <laughs> of love. <Yeah. laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, you know, so you get anything for the end of this week? Or, uh, well, or, actually, this week we finished, and thank you for all the support. We had our 14th annual Orange Effect Foundation Golf yes, for Autism. Did. We did. We had to... We had to change it up a little bit. It was tea times, you know, no bunches of crowds. You know, everybody was wearing masks and all that stuff. But it was still great. We raised a lot of money uh, for a great cause, which is you know, children and families that can't afford speech therapy to get them the the scholarships and the grants so that they can get that speech therapy and communicate however they want to. So that's um, that's what we were end up doing. And you know, I'll be excited to share with you in in a month or so. We're going to do another great event here in the in the uh, fall because there's so much need out there for kids that can't afford to pay for speech therapy and their insurance co- doesn't cover it anymore. So organizations like orange effect need to step in. I wish we wish we weren't needed, but we are. And we got a lot of wonderful people like yourself, Mr. Rose, that, that helps us out and supports us. So, you know, we're work- cool working thing. on all that this week. we got a new website up. We've got a new, renewed commitment for 2021. Uh, and we're going to do a lot of good things in the next year plus. So woot. There you go. What you got going on, brother? Uh, it's all about it's all about the content. Um, oh, that's right. So content, content tech. Content tech. Yeah. So I am in the last final stages of getting that all ready to roll, and then uh, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week will be a lot of uh, a lot of Zoom. Let's put it that way. So we'll be uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be live and going along, and we'll see how uh, we'll see how it goes. We're, I'm really looking forward to it. Should be should be fun. Should be good, fun. Well, I've been good luck with recording that. a lot sure, of video. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sure it will be fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that is it for us. Episode number 242. That's right, folks. Um, We are 242 into this. And if you haven't subscribed yet, like you're just finding this willy-nilly on the internet, well, you know, subscribe, right? You know, or resubscribe. I know you've got more than one email address. Subscribe like a whole bunch of times. Um, and review. Your, we need reviews. Yeah, reviews. Yes, would we be need fantastic. Re- forget the subscription this week. Yeah. Go review. Yeah, yeah. Go review the show. Give us a kind review, a good review, um, and uh, uh, you know, and do that, won't you? Um, we're publishing twice a month now. If you haven't noticed, um, you know, just about every other week, and then a couple of special episodes as we go forward. But if in the meantime, between shows, you want more Joe Polizzi, you can always get that at joepolizzi.com/newsletter, or just go to joepolizzi.com. It's a pretty good site. You're going to find what you need. Um, and for me, if you're interested in all that's going on in content strategy, content marketing, consulting and all the fun things in showbiz kid um, that's contentadvisory.net and of course we want your story ideas we need your story ideas hashtag us up hashtag uh, us up at this old marketing on the Twitter um, and we'll talk about all those things of course everything we lo- talked about today will be linked to on the show post um, and you can get to that there and until we meet again a couple of weeks from now remember everybody it is your story to tell Tell it well. We'll see you in a couple of weeks on This Old Marketing.